So you wanna know how to progress movements, the same movement. Well, we have a great question that's come through from Alex Seabrook, one of our Inner Circle uh, UMS Online Tribe members. And we're gonna talk about inter and intraset overload variables in this video. It's gonna be big, we're starting right now. Hey guys, it's good to be back. It's been a while since I've been on the show and uh, I'm feeling good. I've been training very, very hard. I'm actually in a very depleted state at the moment in the middle of a, well, coming to the end of what's called a super accumulation program. It's a prescribed overreaching program. We can talk a little bit about that today. Uh, but uh, I haven't been on the show for a while and it's really good. I'm here with Phil. How are you going, Phil? Yeah, good to have you back. Yeah. Yeah, I'm feeling good. I've uh, got my kind of sticky up surface salt hair back because I got my first... Um, uh, sunset surfing in for a while yesterday, and I uh, definitely need to prioritize getting that happening more because <laughs> feeling great. Yeah. I'm ready to go. It's good being in the ocean in the morning. Right. I love it. So good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, so we've had a really good question come through from one of our um, UMS online coaching tribe members, Alex Seabrook, in regards to this Mesocycles uh, strength testing. And uh, all of our guys are coming over the back end of the strength testing protocol this week. We've got today and then uh, what are we on Thursday, Friday, tomorrow, and then it's done. And then from there, we go and design our programs. For all of you new guys who are going through this for the very first time, if you're watching, uh, congratulations. It is a dress rehearsal only for you. You are not actually um, uh, testing your load, uh, maximal loads. You're just managing loads and greasing the groove on the movement. Yeah, learning the process. Learning the process, exactly. Yeah. And it's an exciting thing. It's a very, it's a very uh, advanced protocol and uh, you should be really proud of yourselves for getting through it. Uh, it can be a little bit overwhelming. But for the senior guys that have done it a few times before, it is all about um, load testing and strength testing. Uh, we test a six rep maximum, which the guys probably have explained because it's just a little safer, um, a little bit less risk of injury. And um, uh, it's it's more un, un, sort of uh, it's it's more unified across the board. More people can use the six RM than uh, a lower uh, testing variable, but. It comes, um, a lot of people come across movements in the testing protocol. There's 15 primary strength movements that we test, a mix of um, major movements, compound movements, and also uh, more isolated uh, remedial movements. And often you'll come across a movement that you really are, are lacking strength in. And um, a lot of the time, you know, we talk about the six different strength adaptations, that most of them being in the, in the central nervous system. Phil and I have spoken about that a lot in the past. Uh, you, you know, you just need to bank a lot of reps in those movements to, to learn them. So it's not a, a so much about just, you know, the, the muscles, the muscles are there, the same muscles that are being used in a squat are being used in a single leg step up, but it's a movement pattern. I'm sure you can elaborate on why some people might be, uh, much worse at the single leg step up than the squat, even though it's sort of the same movements being, uh, muscles being used. Yeah. I mean, same muscles, but then you've got this whole sort of extra elements in there. Like you're, you know, bringing in balance, which if you're only ever doing sort of after training, then you're you know putting this whole new stimulus that you're not quite used to, and so uh, yeah, there's there's plenty of other variables when you start adding in unilateral stuff, and as soon as you also have you know uh, potential uh, strength differences from maybe what your past activities are, like I've talked about before, my past um, sport was ultimate frisbee, which if you haven't seen it before, go on YouTube and, and look it up, ultimate frisbee. But um, with that, you pivot on one foot, and so you spend you know I spent 11 years quite aggressively only ever pivoting through my left foot, and uh, you know th that means that. I can, you know, a lot of my squat testing, I'd, you know, might be able to progress, but then if I go and look at my single leg work, then it's probably going to be a, a fair difference from 
um, just that many years of, of development of, of one leg compared to the other. So, um, yeah, this unilateral testing is is okay. Yeah, this and this is a you know it's a it's a big deal. The, the few of the movements are really really tough, and uh, Alex has highlighted too that we find probably most commonly failed, which is the trap three raise, the bent over trap three raise, and uh, which is testing um, uh, scapular control, essentially. Um, and um, then, and, and the trap three raise is, is really unforgiving because it's heavily affected by uh, our posture, you know, and, and, and many, many people have um, developed posture that's sort of more suited to sitting in a chair than, than exercising in a gym. And the trap three raises one of those movements that is it's near impossible to get if you have compromised posture if you're tied in the chest and your you know your, your 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 arm is fighting the restriction here to try and get you up it's one that looks like it should be so easy yeah that's <laughs> I exactly the first right time I, did, I was like that's exactly oh, yeah, that looks right fine. it's just like you know one of those remedial exercises and yeah like, oh. and then you're like oh my god yeah, yeah. It, look when i first started testing for it it was i was terrible at it too you know and i just went to town on it for about six months and brought that um strength up and you know um, um, I'll reinforce that it, it, it's the very essence of it being so difficult is why it's so important, you know, because we lack that mobility and we lack that end range strength. And then we try to overload in those positions and it's, 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 you're very vulnerable there, you know, the second one is the single leg step up and the single leg step up is, uh, is the one that like I can uh, put my hand on my heart right now and say, when I strength test in two weeks, I won't be doing it now because I'm doing my strength specialization program, but I will be strength testing in a couple of weeks. Uh, I'll probably fail the single leg step up. And the reason why is because I've neglected it. I haven't done enough of it. And uh, I, that movement pattern just isn't going to be as strong. I'm, I'm not as bad, but um, for, for what I can squat, I should be able to single leg uh, um, uh, squat or step up about 60 kilos. And um, I can tell you now, I'll probably fail that. Yeah, and just a reminder with the uh, testing protocol, it's not that, you know, Yanni won't be able to step up onto a step like that's doable, but looking at those ratios between different strength movements and trying to hit those targets. So that's, that's exactly a, right. If you're not so familiar with um, the protocol, then that's why it you know, yeah. might sound a bit strange that you, yeah. you, know, you yeah. can't walk upstairs at the moment. <laughs> Which with your doms at the moment, you know, it could be pretty... Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm surprisingly feeling quite good. Yeah. I, I actually... Um, I, I actually had to take yesterday off because I was having a little bit of problem with my hip and these um, prescribed overreaching um, programs, we have two of them. We have a beginner version and an advanced version. I'm doing the advanced version and um, it really pushes you and uh, your body essentially at some point becomes heavily depleted and um, and you... And you found it yesterday. <laughs> yeah, I found it yesterday. And it's you know surprising. It aligned with a lot of things. Like yesterday was the first day in a long time that I wasn't like, uh, like I could tell my libido had dropped right off. My testosterone had dropped right off. Like it was, you really do become quite heavily depleted. But then the idea is that you rest for five days and everything just goes through the roof afterwards. Okay. So let's get very specific with Alex's question. And just before we do jump into Alex's questions, uh, just for anyone who is watching live, really good idea to jump on now and get questions in so we can get straight on to that after we finish up with Alex. Yeah, absolutely. So Alex has um, tested, uh, he's done a mesocycle where he, like he, he included the trap three raise and the step up, and then he retested and still failed it dismally. And he, his question was, should I program that again and, and make that a priority for this next mesocycle, um, or should I mix it up and try something different? Will I get a better result from that? And it's a really, really good question. And so today what we're going to do is, because there's there's no right or wrong answer to the, to the question, but um, 
I'm going to share what I would do, and I'm going to share uh, a couple of really cool little tricks that you can use if you are wanting to, you know, because um, banking more reps on the movement is definitely going to be a good thing. It's about greasing the groove. It's about strengthening the neurological pathway. And before we, we dive into it, you're very, you're very good at ex, um, explaining this. Why don't you explain just, just nice and quickly what it means to strengthen a neurological pathway? Like, Yeah, so basically we're, when you're thinking about strength, you have the total uh, size and types of uh, muscle fibers uh, in in your body and no one has access to all the muscles in muscle fibers in your body pretty much our body our brain puts a limit on how much we can access because if we um, were accessing our total strength potential all the time then we'd cause ourselves injury from you know ripping muscles off bone and all the rest so that's how those um you know examples of mothers lifting cars off babies you know that kind of like people doing superhuman things in times of great need uh, come about is because we have you know, these, these limits on what we can access usually, but when you add in different sort of stimulus, like um, uh, there's some great studies I've talked about before, um, pre-ethics, so before science you know, had to get really past your ethics boards where they were getting um, people to like randomly fire guns behind um, people lifting, uh, doing strength testing, taking uh, amphetamines, cocaine, um, and like, yeah, doing all sorts of things that would not be allowed these days. Uh, yeah. And people are able to perform at a much higher level, like produce much more strength because they're able to access these larger motor units. And so, as we talked about before with strength development, um, when you first start out, if you haven't done much strength before, so much of what you're getting in that first six weeks is just that ability to access these larger motor units and produce more strength. So it takes about six weeks for you, then your muscles to start adapting and the size of the muscle fibers to actually get bigger. But there's so much potential for strength in accessing these, um, uh, in these mu mu larger muscle units. Um, and that's why imaginary training and um, contralateral training and all these other things that I've talked about before uh, are so effective. But yeah, that's right. And you know, movement pa movement patterns uh, are the same because there's 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 sequencing of the muscle uh, muscle fibers. You know, the body has to um, fire and, and activate the right muscles at the right time to create a sequence that uh, that um, um, creates movement. You know, and and so there's the, there's what's called intramuscular coordination, intermuscular coordination. There's all sorts of different things. Yeah, and that your are body really there. doesn't like when you go into um, areas that it perceives threats. So with people who have particularly unstable shoulders, if you've had lots of um, uh, dislocations in the past and those passive structures that hold the um, sort of the ball in, in the socket, if you've uh, a bit weaker through there and then they might, someone might have really big strong muscles, but you try and get them up into, you know, a position up here where they're in um, abduction and external rotation, uh, they will become very weak and not be able to hold that position because you've got these sort of parts of your brain that's like, whoa, these, yeah. I'm not supported here. So let's like cut the, cut the access to strength here. And that's yeah. what the sequencing, um, this, you know, developing strength and coordination and balance is all about is being, getting your body to like trust these movements and allow you to produce more force. Yep. And the only thing that does that is repetition. So we know after that little discussion and, and um, uh, description of what's happening in the body that it is going to be beneficial for Alex to to repeat the same movements again, but it is also beneficial to change things up a little bit. And there's a few different ways that we can do that. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So there's essentially, when you're programming, there's two different um, sort of macro things that you can change. There is the intra set variables, which um, are essentially providing 
uh, overload within a set of movements. And then there's the interset variables, which is providing variables within the sort of workout or the grouping of the exercises. That can also be, uh, it includes the rest as a variable. It includes the rep ranges or how you group multiple exercises together as a variable like supersets, drop sets, hybrid sets, things like that, okay? And so what I wanna talk about here is First of all, the intraset variables that I like the most, which is manipulation of the movement itself. And there are three really good examples that anyone can use that I, I mean, there's, there's many more than this, but these are the three that I've adopted in my programming and I've had really great success with, which is first and foremost, the easiest of all of them is to do uh, pause repetitions. So you, you figure, you find the point of the movement that you're, that you're the weakest at or that's your sticking point and it's usually always the bottom. So let's take the step up for, as an example for Alex. Uh, you would prescribe a pause at the bottom range of the step up, at the deepest point where it's really, really difficult for you. And um, you can play with different time under tensions of the pause. So you can do a one second pause, a two second pause. I've gone up to four and five second pauses before in my squats and, and things like that. And it's a really, really great way of A, developing the brain's comfort in that end range. So you get that end range strength component and B, removing velocity and inertia from the movement so that the Golgi tendon and the muscle bodies aren't relying on that stretch reflex cycle. So now you've got to, you know, you lower yourself down in that eccentric phrase, eccentric phase for those of you out there who are onto us about our pronunciation. And uh, then you pause at the bottom, killing off inertia and, and, and eff effectively that stretch reflex uh, cycle. And then you have to then generate force again from a standstill. So you've got to produce, um, uh, what am I, what am I talking, is it inertia that I'm talking about? It's yeah, force, pr yeah. Produce, yeah, movement. Yeah. Movement, <laughs> Just movement. Let's just simple. keep it simple, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so that's the, the, the first one that Which I really like. Is for those who remember our tendinopathy chat the other day, a really useful way as well of uh, overcoming tendinopathy issues because, again, if you can minimize that, uh, that stretch shot and cycle, that um, spring-like mechanism of the tendon, then that's really great for tendon um, loading. So Yeah, there you go. Fun fact. The next, the next variable that I like to introduce once I've um, sort of exhausted pause reps in a mesocycle is uh, heavy eccentrics. And I'm pretty sure we've spoken about how the body is stronger under an eccentric contraction. Is that right? Yeah, well, it's not so much that it's stronger, but if you think about how much you could possibly lift um, a, in a concentric fashion, so maybe, you know, if your maximal... Uh, like if you were at the bottom of a squat and to get back up, you could lift 100 kilos, for example. Um, and if you went to 105, then you'd pause and you wouldn't be able to go any higher. Um, you can that, that makes sense. But then if you go into thinking about if with the lowering, if you had 100 kilos on your um, body and you lowered yourself down, that would probably be fine. If you're up to 110 kilos, you could lower it down and you'd be fine. Yep. Um, so basically, it's the ability to lower without giving way and falling over. Yep. You can imagine that you know you could probably lift you could probably eccentrically lower a whole lot more weight than your concentric maximum. You just wouldn't be able to get back up. Yeah, that's right. And uh, there's, there's statistical data that sort of says that you can lift 50% more on the way yeah. down. So and it depends 150%. on, like, you get better at eccentrics with training eccentrics. So that's why, like, Nordic hamstring curls is such a great exercise because it's it's building up that eccentric re resilience, which is why it's so effective in injury prevention with um, kicking and, and sprinting because you're having to deal with, like, stronger 
eccentric forces. Yeah. So yeah. Um, yeah, it's something that you get better with with practice. So eccentrics is another really great one for the step up. And this is another way that you can uh, sort of manipulate the intra set variable and get a really big uh, increase in strength. So we're the changing the size of the step or is that uh, you, do, we have, do we have standardized ones? Absolutely. Well, you, we have a standardized one for this um, for the uh, test, one. but yeah. yeah, I'll get to that in a sec because that's body positioning, which we'll, we'll use as well as a good example. So um, the way that I would do that, Alex, is that I would say if you're if you currently your maximal weight is uh, let's just say hypothetically forty kilos on the barbell, and that's where you're really sticking and failing, then I would go to fifty kilos and do eccentric. And then, you know, step up with both feet. So you're not, you know, you're using a, a spring load. You're not just using strict muscle to get back up again. And then lower yourself down for a really nice five second eccentric. Usually the rule is that when you do eccentric loading, you do slow eccentric. So it's usually four, five, six, seven, even up to eight, nine or 10 seconds. I've used 10 second eccentrics in the squat before and it is brutal. Brutal, <laughs> yeah. Absolutely brutal. They're also fantastic for... Uh, building muscle because eccentric contraction seems to be what's producing a lot of the um, metabolic damage to the tissue. Yeah, and you'll notice if you've um, not really done it before, you'll probably, yeah, really get that really dom's hurt. in yeah. a big way the next day. <laughs> and that is that uh, because you're, strength, you're lengthening under tension, which causes just little micro tears, which is a good thing. It's what we want. Um, but yeah, it's about getting that right amount that you're giving enough stimulus to get stronger without, you know, so much that you're yeah, yeah, not that's able right. to train. That's right. Okay, so the final one that I am a huge fan of out of the three intraset overload variables is body positioning. And we call that mechanical drop sets, uh, where you actually alter the body position during the set as you start to fatigue and fail. So as an example of what Phil just said there, you can change the depth of the step up. Uh, you and you can do that as a full set if you wanted to, uh, or you could start doing a really deep step up for the first couple of reps. Once that fatigues, you can then reduce or restrict the range of motion and slowly do that until you take your body to failure in a few different points. And that's just another great way of getting the volume up, the total volume uh, on a heavy weight, um, but. Um, uh, you know, manipulating it as you go through. And then, of course, um, outside as an interset variable, you can change the step height from the get and you just do a different step height the whole way through, you know. So there's three really great ways that you can do it there. And the body positioning is the way that you would progress the, uh, uh, the trap three raise, the trap three raise yeah. really easily. Okay. And one way to think about it is if you were to... Uh, hold a weight out in front of you at, with your arm at 90 degrees, that's going to be a whole lot harder because of the leverage involved. Whereas if you think about if you hold a weight up above your head like this, you could probably hold quite a heavy weight for quite a long time. Getting it there might be a bit hard, yep. but with the weight going directly down through your arm, you've got a lot less muscular force at your deltoids that needs to work. So with changing the angle of um, the inclined bench that you're using, you can really um, change it up to make it harder. And the other thing to think about is with um, inner, inner and outer range of your muscles, that's when you're gonna be weakest. So that's when you're nearly at a stretch position or when you're at a totally contracted position, you might notice if you're in that totally contracted position, you, it's where your cramps lie. <laughs> yep. um, but that mid, mid range is where you're gonna be strongest. So. Um, as you get flatter and flatter on the bench, it's going to be quite a lot harder at that um, at that um, final range. So when you're lifting the arm up into the end of that, that rep, if you're more horizontal, then that's going to be 
a lot of leverage at your inner range and going to be quite challenging. Yep. Whereas if you go more upright, it's going to be easier. That's right. And the way we test, we test the trap three at the um, flat uh, horizontal position. But as Phil just explained, do it going up to a 45 degree trap three raise is much easier. Uh, you get it's harder at the bottom, but that's generally where we're stronger. Yeah. And then at the top, it gets much easier. So you can get that end range. Then you can go down to a 30 degree trap three on an angle. And that's going to be harder in the mid range, but it's a little bit easier top and bottom. And then, you know, you, so you can manipulate the angle of the body to get a completely different effect in the exercise. Still using the same muscles, still banking that neurological, um, strengthening that neurological pathway, banking repetitions, but you get a really great uh, effect, uh, training effect from it, which is great. So now while, while we're on interset variables, so we're now outside of the set itself, but we're changing variables within the workout, we can talk about the neurological pathway. And that is the, um, the easiest way to uh, um, manipulate the, the, the pathway itself is manipulating the apparatus that we use. So a great example for a trap three raises transitioning from a dumbbell to a cable or a band trap three raise. Uh, and then you can go uh, and start doing kneeling, half kneeling trap three raises, kneeling trap three raises rather than a bent over leaning on something, you know. You can do a standing trap three raise. Uh, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of different variables you can do and you're still going to be greasing the groove for the same movement but changing it up and forcing the body and the nervous system to adapt yeah. slightly differently. And you can see with if you're doing a banded trap three raise and you're in that standing position, which we talked about would be the easiest for the um, weight because at the top you have very little force because it's going straight down through your arm. If you had a band, then when the band is at its most stretched position as you're at the top, that's now going to be the hardest. So you can see how that would really change um, yep. how you're you're loading things, so. That's exactly right. Uh, so that's a, that's, there's a couple of really, really good examples of how we can manipulate movements. And I, I like to keep it simple because when you start to go into inter and intraset overload variables, oh man, there's, there's a lot of them. And there's a lot of great traditional bodybuilding uh, variables, 21s, 7s, all these different loading variables to crank. And they're all designed to get more volume into a movement. And um, I am a really big fan of keeping it simple with movement selection. Like movement selection doesn't need to uh, be really elaborate. Uh, like most of the guys I know that get the best results in strength really keep it simple with their movement selection, but they understand how to manipulate the variables of each of those movements in their programming yeah. so that when they keep doing the same movement over and over again, uh, it's a slight variation of that movement or it's a slight variation of the variables that they're using to load but that still movement. still progressively overloading that movement. Whereas you kind of, if you oscillate wildly between, you know, Different one sort movements. of really, you know, specialized thing that kind of mimics a golf swing or something and then you go off to something else that, um, you know, you go to like through a phase of conventional um, strength training and then you go off and do like calisthenics then you can see how you haven't really got this kind of gradual increase in in how you're loading those structures so you often don't yep. get anywhere yeah that's exactly right now that actually brings me while we're on it to a question that i um alex asked in follow-up to what we're answering right now which was that our uh program card yeah, if you scroll down to the to the bottom there it'll be the last question i think um 
Our program card, he says, nice one. I'll give that a go. Another question I have is when you guys are going to post videos for the more advanced exercises, most of the videos only go to around four to five exercises per muscle group, body part, whereas the program card has seven to 10 exercises per body part. Um, <coughs> so the simple answer to this, Alex, is that we used to write these really elaborate programs that were designed really from my bodybuilding days back when I was in my 20s and that was all about just getting swole. And uh, you used to sort of attack the muscle from as many different angles as possible to try and get it to grow, you know? And uh, So like a superset would be? Yeah, like, oh, look, like, I used to write programs for myself and for my clients that I sometimes had you know, up to 10, 12 exercises on one muscle group, you know. Yeah. Um, and what we, and the reason why we no longer do that is because we've now had the luxury of being in the game for me for almost 18 years and uh, like training intensely in gyms. And I've trained with a lot of really successful people, you know, who are at the top of their game in calisthenics, bodybuilding, powerlifting, uh, strongman, things like that, CrossFit even. And the thing that blew my mind is that their workouts consist of only a few movements, you know, like literally. Uh, I've seen CrossFitters who blew my mind with what they could do. And I look at their programming and their workouts are two or three movements. And just insane amounts of volume on those movements. Uh, I got friends who uh, probably have the most amazing physique that I've ever seen, other than professional bodybuilders who just take it to a whole nother level. Uh, and their workouts never consist of more than four movements. You know, they just keep it simple and bank a lot of volume on movements that are big bang for your buck movements. Now, um, you know, when we were personal trainers in the early days and when we had designed these program cards that have all of this space there, uh, we used to, one of the key considerations that we took into effect was keeping people entertained. You know, uh, when you're training general populations who half of your job as a personal trainer is just to keep them coming to the gym in the first place, um, there is an element of them getting bored with doing the same thing over and over and over again. And so we would often prescribe eight exercises in a workout, but only two sets of each exercise just purely so they didn't get bored. And also because we were working in big box, big chain gyms over here in Australia, it's fitness first that we spent 10 years as personal trainers. And you weren't allowed to stay on the same piece of equipment for an hour, you know, with a client. You, you, it was just, a, the culture was that that was really bad etiquette. So um, to answer your question with the program card, why does it extend to 10 exercises? Uh, that's pretty much it because we used to program not for what was the best for the individual. It was for what suited the environment we were in and because we were training general populations a lot more back and, then. You know, I feel like the, the what you've, done has developed and it keeps developing over the years so yeah as you that's said, exactly like, right yeah things have changed and as rad and i talked about yesterday like we're always looking for you know the it, what the program is now might look different in two years time because we're always you know adapting and, and trying to make it the best possible thing so yeah, you know, yeah. the things change but that's exactly right uh and yeah i hope that answers your question like what you know uh, Einstein has, uh, he, he, he was very famously quoted saying that there's five levels of um, genius and the, the or, or intellect, sorry, and the first one was um, smart, then clever, then um, uh, it went to like, you know, genius, and then the final, the fifth stage was simple. 
Um, and th that is so important to understand. Simplicity is everything in training. Like you, you get such a better result when you keep things simple and focus on like good proven movements that are going to deliver the best results possible. And consistency with the overload as well. And that's, that's exactly it's so right. Much, yeah, it's much more powerful to do that with these simple exercises that you can tweak with these variables we talked about. Yeah. But, yeah. And that went for um, calisthenics as well. You know, like I've, I've worked with some of the best handstand coaches in the world and uh, um, the guy I'm talking, I'm thinking of that comes to mind first is Miguel Santana, who is incredible. And we've had him here at the gym and I've done, uh, I've worked with him. I've had done workshops with him and things like that. And he gave me a program that consisted of three exercises. And I said, and I said, how long do I do this for? And he said, until I come back in two years, literally three exercises, just over and 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 over again. And I was like, I thought he was joking, but he was serious. You know, he just said, keep doing these until you, until I come back. And he, we, we weren't planning to get him back for two years, you know, and I was just like, Oh my God, they're not, they're not really fun exercises to do, you know. Rad did Kung Fu for, um, uh, I don't know, 10 years, 15 years, very seriously, five days a week. And you should have seen when we first opened the gym, he used to do this, these two drills, this horse stance and this rooster yeah. walk that was like monotonous. It was, it was painful watching him do it for hours and hours. And there's those classic, you know, martial arts and Kung Fu movies like Van Damme and things like that, where they're training and they're just holding this bloody position for hours and hours and hours on end with candles burning under their armpits or something, you know, uh, these stances. That's what building strength is about. It's about developing um, insane levels of strength in a very, very minimal. You know, um, Bruce Lee was very famously quoted saying, I don't fear the man with a hundred kicks. I fear the man who's mastered one, you know, because, yeah, it's like the power you generate from, from mastering that one movement um, over a hundred years is uh, is just insane, you know, or, or however many years that you've trained it. I don't know if I got, I probably made a mess of that quote, Bruce, sorry. Uh, but you get <laughs> my Bruce point. Bruce is watching out there. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, if Rad's watching, he's yeah. going to come in and kick me in the yeah. head for that. Uh, so Cork has a question here. It says, hey, Yanni, on the program card, you guys have an intensity level column at the pre-column. Uh, how do I rate that? Can you give me an example for yourself, like in squats or deads or handstand? Okay, yeah, that's, that's a very good, um, uh, very good question. The, the intensity level is, um, you know, there's, all, there's different ways of measuring it, perceived rate of exertion, intensity, that sort of thing. Uh, it, it completely depends on the individual, and this is where it gets a little bit um, uh, sort of personal, and it's based on training age. So training age is a, is a, a way that we indicate or we measure um, how long you've been exercising for under this protocol. So for instance, someone can come to me with 20 years of marathon running experience, be one of the fittest people I've ever met, but if they have never done strength training in the way that we do it, they're still a zero when they walk in the door in training age because their previous training history isn't a good depiction of what they're going to be like under these new variables, if that makes sense. So we always sort of, get, you know, figure out what someone's been doing and, and it's specific to weightlifting or calisthenics for us, you know, and stretching. And then you tr every year that you, you do a year consistently without breaking for more than a week or two, you go up one year in training age, you know. So most of the guys here at Unity Gym are, are two, three, 
four maybe um the oldest is maybe five or six you know um and and every year that you go up in training age the intensities that you need to play the game in become higher um you 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 want to sort of after the first two years when you've really banked that foundational strength and your tissues have remodeled the deeper um the connective tissues have had time to sort of remodel and become stronger and adapt to the strength training variables. You want to be training at above 70% of your maximal effort pretty much always, you know, unless you're doing a deload week. So um, to answer the question, Clock, it's really um, dependent on your training age and where you're at in the mesocycle. So if you're not doing a deload... Oh, he's put pre, P-R-E, but he means up here. Is that right? Or perceived rate of exertion? Perceived rate oh, of okay. exertion, yeah, yeah PRE, yeah. yeah. RPE. RPE, yep. rate of <laughs> perceived it. exertion yeah, yeah, is the, the way they do it, yeah. I was thinking it was an intensity before he's actually started the exercise. And I was no, like, oh, I no, 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 perceived this. rate yeah. of exertion. Yeah, we do so, okay. so um, yeah. you know, the easy way of, um, of, of, of answering that uh, quack is that I like people to stay at a seven or an eight on the perceived rate of exertion scale and uh, at your level. If they're a beginner, I don't like people reaching a seven just yet. I like people uh, being around the five and six mark because when they're at a five or six, I know that every rep is going to look the same. Whereas when you start to go seven, eight, nine even, um, then the last couple of reps usually look like shit because you're taking it to failure and you start, you know. But if you watch someone who is, a a very good example is uh, my friend Ben Pokolsky. I've trained with Ben a couple of times and I will watch through an entire workout, every single rep of his looks the same. It's phenomenal to watch someone who's trained to that level and he will go to absolute breaking point and uh uh those guys those bodybuilders are machines like you see him you know grunting and going for it and really going to failure but the rep won't change it won't it'll look exactly the same the whole way through but he'll just and he'll look like he's about to explode in the head and he'll get to there and his spotter will help him finish the rep and it'll look perfect you know, but when you take someone who's under the uh, under a training age of about five years, their last few reps when they go to failure won't look perfect. And uh, and there's a lot of people that argue that that's not a good thing. You know, there are plenty of people who train five years but don't have that same intention, and they won't get there either. Like yeah, you, you need to be really intentional about this. Stuff. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> right. You know, and um and I and and I, I got another friend, an example um down the road, or he's not down the road anymore. Sebastian Orab, Australian strength coach, who's you know um training for a competition at the moment and I watched him do a six rep uh, sorry, a one rep maximum at 365 kilo squat, uh, he posted a video. And then shortly after, he posted a video of doing like t- uh, 330 kilos for two or three reps. And they looked exactly the same. Yeah, he was, he'd often sort of get frustrated like he'd, when I, I did massages for him 90 minutes a week. And so we'd chat a lot and he'd, he'd say like, oh, you know, I'm getting all these messages from people being like, oh, you could have got more on that. But what they don't understand is if... If I went any heavier, like it has to be perfect for it to work. And yeah, if I, that's exactly right. If it's right. not perfect, it will not work. Yeah. So if for my PBs, they always look, you know, really good. It looks like, like there's more in the tank. When you yeah. watch someone like that, you think, oh wow, yeah. you know, it looks like. But he's he's lifting on the 
absolute limit yeah. of his perfect. And if it deviates from perfect, it either results in him hurting himself severely or him, you know, really making a mess of his body just through yeah. a strain or something like that, you know. And so just to be clear with the uh, PRE or RPE, as I, I call it, is, um, you know, for him, that would be a, that'd be a 10. Yep. Uh, but, you know, it's around that training age and the intention around your training. If you can, uh, as you develop and you get better at this, then your RPEs can be, you know, higher and you can be <laughs> um, still maintaining really good form. But that's exactly right. It's going to be less. In the beginning, you aim for a seven and as you get really, really good at it. And there are other, other ways of measuring this sort of thing. One of the best is bar speed or movement, uh, um, a movement speed. And you can buy really cool little, um, what are they called? Um, there's a, a, a little box that you attach a little uh, string to the bar or the dumbbell. Yeah. We're running out of time. Rich is giving me the wind-up cue. Um, and it measures bar speed. And yeah. that's one of the ways that we do it in a strength and conditioning environment to make sure that your because perceived rate of exertion is heavily in, in, um, um, subjective. subjective, you know, yeah. whereas bar speed is not. You get the metrics, you put it into the computer and you can see, OK, those last two reps, but, you took it too far because you slowed right down and you want it to be consistent. And that's another thing that you'll see with with Sebastian's squat the other day, his two reps at 230. It was either two or three. I'm sorry, Bass, if I'm making a mess of this. Um, uh, it, it, um, his his um, multiple reps were exactly the same speed as his one rep maximum. Yeah. You know, and mm. and that's th these guys are like precise with that. You know. Yeah. And just one last bit on why rate of perceived exertion is such a useful thing to be tracking all the time as well, um, is that it's such a useful thing for, you know, if you are tracking the weights you're lifting and you're um, going up and up and up, and then you get to a session where you're like, oh, I'm doing a warm up and my RPE is just going through the roof and you get to, you know, you're trying to do a weight that you did like the week before, which felt totally easy. And it's just like where it's, it's rate of perceived exertion was at a seven and now it's feeling like a nine, then that's a really good kind of feedback to think like, okay, what else in my life could be, you know, playing into this, my sleep, my nutrition, all these things. Is it time for a bit of a deload week? Like these are the things that protect you from those kind of overtraining injuries that can really um, hold yeah, you back. Yeah, so, absolutely. Very useful thing to track. Yeah, absolutely. And it just takes a little bit of practice to get good at tracking it. Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys, I hope we've answered all of those questions. Inter and intraset variables, there's a lot of them. It's a big uh, sort of Pandora's box that you can open. My favorite intraset variables are pause reps, eccentrics, and what we call um, uh, uh, mechanical drop sets where we alter the body position. There are also hybrid sets, which are really, really good, which is that you really like change it completely. Uh, that's another favorite of RADs. And then interset variables, you've got like supersets, drop sets, uh, all yeah. sorts of different cool Any things that you can this, do. We can yeah. get stuck into it. But, yeah. Awesome. Uh, thanks for watching today. Make sure to jump on the uh, podcast and subscribe if you haven't already. Yeah. Hello, everyone on YouTube as well, because yeah. these are going up on YouTube. And hello to everyone on the podcast. Yeah. Thank you. We've and hit sorry like... if the, yeah, on the podcast, got over 850 yeah. like uh, listens or something. So yeah, very exciting. Fantastic. Please share and it we're, with you. We're tipping on. 20,000 subscribers on YouTube. So yeah. let's go, people. Let's and get us there by YouTube the end of the live month. And for live watchers who are really stuck on YouTube and haven't come across to the um, Facebook Movement Mastermind group, um, this week it's just we've had some uh, 
challenges getting everything up and running so we're getting them out in the same day but we're we're yeah. working on that they are going to come they yeah. are going to come yep we're just absolutely figuring out the system thanks Quok, for joining us and uh, asking us a few questions thanks alex for your great question and uh this is why we're doing it on facey guys because we can we can really critique movement and things like that which uh yep. which we post love. videos ask questions yeah that's right see you all tomorrow Health is about performance, not just body image. You better be willing to accept what you're going to have to do to get there. We'll start focusing on movement goals, strength goals, flexibility goals. When you nail that skill, it's there forever. The body image goal doesn't get you that far. It's the consistency and frequency that's going to get you there. It's not the intensity. There's no shortcuts to mastery and movement. Destination doesn't change overnight, but your direction will. It's the gym is not the place to beat up the body that you hate. It's the place to build the body that you love. We are the gym that teaches people how to move instead of just exercise because we believe that health is about performance, not just body image.